What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Your two favorite youth pastors talking about how little they know about ministry. Does that sound about right, Derek? No, we don't know anything about ministry. <laughs> it's not even the little that we know? Uh, no. And do you know what I also realize we're really good at self-deprecation. That, that, that's, that's, kind, true. that's kind of our bit. That's so, accurate. Yep. Um, here's what I propose. We keep doing it because why be good at something when well, you can be good? <laughs> It when seems like it's working, uh, so so I'll say that. That's fair. Um, but this uh, before we dive in, we have to say that this uh, episode of the podcast sponsored by Hobby, Hobby Lobby, a uh, great great store um, that we are on location. Christian today. owned. Christian owned. True. You will frequently hear instrumental Christian music uh, as you peruse through. They also have a lot the of decorations Christian that are decor. They have some Christian books at the front. That is true. Yes, uh, and they have uh, seasonal decor about nine months out in advance. <laughs> That's very true. Um, it like with this episode's coming out in December, you could probably find some pretty good fall stuff there Halloween. right now. Yep. So Halloween, uh, now's the time to buy Halloween stuff at Hobby Lobby. But uh, yeah, no, we're we're in Derek's office today, uh, switching it up, and uh, Derek has these wooden letters that spell "pray" that yep. I didn't even look. I just assumed that it's from Hobby Lobby. It is. Well done. Yeah. Along with this sign, those planters over there, that plant. Uh, just we, Hobby Lobby basically threw up th- in your th- office. This is an ad advertisement for Hobby Lobby <laughs> is my office, yeah. So I have to say, I went to a, there, there's a church uh, not terribly far from ours. I, I went to it once. It had just been kind of remodeled. Uh-huh. And it, I seriously, I walked in and no joke, I thought Hobby Lobby just threw up all over their entire lobby, uh-huh. all over their walls. I was like, I... This makes me uncomfortable, the amount of stuff that is on the walls everywhere, on shelves and different things. And I was like, I think you guys got 95% of it from well, Hobby Lobby. if you are going to decorate your lobby, you ought to go to Hobby Lobby, you know? Apparently. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily condoning the clutterism uh, method, but... You know, it is what it is. So I'm more of a simplistic guy. I think it's also prudent for us to acknowledge that we have a different setup today as well. We do. If, if, uh, if you're watching our clips, you're like, why are they holding mics? Are they trying to be trendy? We are not. Thank you for bringing attention <laughs> to this. Um, I So typically we meet in my office. I drove up to Derek's church today because- Because I was, got stuff going on. You're trying to accommodate me. You're trying to do all these, these things on my behalf. I'll give you that yes, credit. Yes. Uh, the word lazy wasn't going to come out of my mouth there. Okay. Uh, and I forgot to, uh, pack the, there, listen, there's more equipment that goes into this podcast than I think people realize. Uh, and there were a couple boxes that I forgot to pack. And so we don't have the stands and the, and the windscreen. So a great friend of the show, our producer, Nathan, he's going to be working overtime on this episode. Uh, he probably won't, but I'm pretty sure 95 episodes in, it's just, he puts drag and drops, drags and drops audio files into a program hits, hits run on some preset. Uh huh. 
stuff and 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 just goes and it sounds way better than if you didn't do that it makes so us we appreciate sound good it. which which is a feat so yes uh so derek quick question of the day before we dive in continuing the uh the series that we're going through uh it is christmas season this episode's coming out just a few days before christmas what are uh maybe some of or even just one single christmas treat that is uh kind of your favorite oh, of the season man two will come to my brain immediately that are really really good uh one of them is i can't remember what it's called but basically here's the gist of it you melt like white chocolate like the almond bark stuff you melt it down into a liquid like kind of consistency that's the only way that melting a chocolate can go you're not melting it into a gas (laughs) yeah it'd be cool if you could uh it'd probably make a bit of a mess but Yes, you melt it into a liquid, uh, and then you douse it over some puff corn. Not popcorn, but puff corn. It is salty sweet. It is delicious. Uh, Probably an all-time great. Uh, The only caveat is it's so good that you just start slamming it, and then about an hour later, you literally feel like trash. Because uh, puff corn is not meant to be consumed in such large quantities, uh, and especially when you dump <laughs> large amounts of, of. There's a lot of things that are going to fall into these categories that were not meant to be consumed yeah, in, in large quantities. quantities. Uh, but the second one is, I think they're called peanut butter blossoms. They're like the little, the little Reese's peanut butter cups, like the snack size ones that you find like in a bowl of candy, but they're surrounded by like cookie dough. You know sure. what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's a very, very classic Christmas mm-hmm. treat that is elite. Yep. I, uh, there's a few that come to mind for me. I am a, I am a sucker for just some classic sugar cookies, like, you know, shaped, obviously frosted and, and then frosted. Uh, I come from a family of Christmas of Christmas cookie decorators. Yep. And, and those of you that come from those families know what I mean. Like it is, it is a sport. It is a science. Uh, you know, there are, there are tools that come out when we are decorating cookies that were not meant to be used on cookies. Such as, uh, well, toothpicks is, is usually, Ah. uh, a necessity because, uh, sometimes you've got, uh, sprinkles that you're trying to place in very specific spots. And so you've got to get some toothpicks out for that. Uh, I've also seen toothpicks used, uh, if you put two, uh, different colored frostings, uh, and, and you got to get the right consistency, uh-huh. right type of frosting where it kind of glazes when it dries. And it's runny a little bit, right? It's it's runny but not too runny. But then you can use the toothpicks to like get a cool swirl, totally. Or, you know, kind of mix the colors together in a cool way. So uh, you can use some toothpicks. You can use forks for that as well. Um, there's there's a couple others that I mean. I I'm envisioning using like a power drill. Like, what could I use a power drill for? Uh, the other thing that you have to be good at is if you break a cookie, that doesn't mean that you just throw it away. Ah. Like, let's see if we can surgery this cookie back together. That's always fun. But anyways, um, so I love doing that. Um, the the cookies, similar to what you were talking about, I don't know what they're called necessarily, but it's like a cookie and then like a Hershey's kiss like yep. pressed into the middle. Totally. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. So here's my question to you, because I, I love those. They're delicious, uh-huh. right? How do you eat those? Oh, it's easy. The, I okay. mean, to me, to me, the most logical process here 
is like obviously Hershey's Kiss come to a point. Right. So you have to take that off first, like eat that, and then now you have more of a flat cookie. Okay. And then you, you like just eat the point of it. Yes. Okay. To where it gets like more. I mean, obviously, it's still like above the cookie part. Right. But you take yeah. like the top third of the Hershey yep. Kiss off, and then you can, if you're really feeling ambitious, you pop the whole thing in and just go for a ride. Otherwise, you take a little be- bits and pieces. I like that because, like, if you keep the the tip of the Hershey's Kiss on there, they're actually very difficult to totally. Like, you like kind of bite into it, the Hershey's Kiss a little bit. You don't yep. want to put the whole cookie in your mouth because it's too big. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so those are good. Um, I've seen cookies in a lot of places where it's like sugar cookie dough, uh, but then it's it's almost made in the shape of they're not very big, but they're almost in the shape of like a bowl. And then you put frosting in the middle, like a little pool of frosting in the middle. Wow. That that's, sounds amazing. That's pretty good. Um, you ever done like the, uh, get the circle pretzels and put chocolate in the middle of it? I've seen those. And then like a little, an a little or something a like that. A little mini M&M. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had those. Not my favorite, but. Those are, those are one of my wife's favorites. She enjoys that. The other one is not necessarily, this is the last one, I promise. But uh, clearly I'm passionate about this. I didn't know. I, 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 know. I didn't know I was going to go off on this. Uh, I always just call them Oreo balls. But uh, Those it, are it, things we had at your house. Yeah, the other we day. just had them at our house the okay. other day. It's basically like you, you in a food processor, you grind up a bunch of Oreos, put some cream cheese in there. And, and kind of get that paste and roll that into little balls and put them in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And then once they're, you know, been in the freezer for a couple hours, <clears throat> excuse me, you then take those and dip them in melting chocolate, put it back in the Not freezer. Not gaseous chocolate? No, no. Uh, <laughs> put it in melting chocolate, put it back in the freezer, and then you got like a nice cold frozen very good. Oreo chocolate dessert. Those are, oh, they're so good. You can use like white chocolate, mint chocolate. Uh, you can you can get creative with it too. I've also seen some with like peanut butter and Oreo in the middle. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want that combo, but. Last thing. Uh, said last thing, last thing. I'm a preacher. You are. Uh, this is my last point. In closing, um, I, this has nothing to do with Christmas, but my wife and I have been absolutely addicted lately to the peanut butter M&M's. So good. Peanut oh, butter, not my, peanut. Yeah, no. Peanut Red butter M&M's. Bag. Yep. Oh my goodness. They are so flipping good. They are the best ones. Like, and you cannot tell me otherwise. They are the best M&M's in yeah, they're they're the same size as like the bigger peanut M and M's, but it's peanut butter. Yep, um, love those. The only time that I prefer a different M and M would be like I love the combination of like homemade stovetop popcorn and the mini M and M's. Not wow. regular M and M's. It's got to be the mini M and M's, wow. and I don't know why. But but I love that. But yeah, like if we're just snacking, man, give me those peanut butter M and M's all day, man. Thanks for all that, because now uh, I have other things in my brain other than this podcast, which is yeah, going to be really good today. We must be hungry. Is, yeah, is I, maybe I, I will problem. say I'm running on a cup of coffee so far today um, well, that's and a, a banana. That's a personal so, choice that you should be regretting immediately. Well, I, I am regretting it immediately, so forgive me, sir. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's uh, let's kind of you know just bring everybody up to speed. If you have not been listening uh, to our podcast the last few episodes, I would highly encourage you to go back and start with episode ninety three. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we started going through a series, taking a look at the situation uh, at the church that I am currently at. Um, I, I shared in the last episode that our senior pastor uh, had a moral failure over this past summer. And so that whole process, everything that goes into that uh, is kind of what we are talking about. And so last episode, we focused on, okay, for a pastor in that situation, what does that look like for them? Uh, talking about the restoration process uh, and, and some of those things. Um Part, I don't know, part two, part three, depending on how you want to count it, but part C, part <laughs> two B, uh, whatever it is, we want to today talk about uh, what, from a church's perspective, what do you do when your pastor leaves unexpectedly? Uh, we want to focus on like the like the church's perspective, uh, you know, through that transition. Um, and, you know, while we will obviously be talking about this from the perspective of, you know, the there it's an unexpected transition because of a moral failure, uh, I think a lot of what we're talking about is going to be applicable to any type of unexpected totally. transition. Yep. Uh, even if it's something like, you know, your senior pastor you know, decided to, you know, leave and, and go pastor somewhere else. They, they took a new job somewhere else. Typically, uh, there's a, it's usually about, a, you know, three, four weeks between when they make that announcement and when they actually leave. That is still kind of a pretty quick transition. And so uh, I think that this will hopefully be very helpful there as well. But before we dive in, Derek, do you have any uh, thoughts or... Uh, remarks, questions, comments, yeah. concerns, constructive criticism, unconstructive criticism. I, my favorite to give you is unconstructive, just straight up criticism. We love unconstructive criticism. It's how we roll. Uh, okay, a few different things. First of all, I think it's so vital to understand that no matter the situation, every single transition is going to look different. Doesn't matter the context, doesn't matter what precipitated that action, it's a different church in a different context with a different situation, there is no way to say this is 100% how you do it. As such, uh, not to over-spiritualize things, but it's like a lot of times when when a transition happens, you immediately kick into strategic mode. How do I strat- like how do we navigate this to come out on the other side? And you got to have that. Uh, but also at the same time, it's so vital that you go into this prayerfully and you and you ask God for wisdom. You ask God for discernment, all those kind of things. Because I, I feel like it's such a good uh, way to kind of contrast the two. Because you know, for Kyle, as we explained last episode, your transition came out of thin air. We're talking days. And we're not just talking like an easy, I am going to a different church. It's like a, there's a moral failure here. And that's a whole nother dynamic that involves that versus I'm choosing to step away for various reasons. So you have that dynamic and then you have my dynamic into how I became a senior pastor where we told the church in the beginning of February that the transition was happening and the transition happened in the middle of April. Well, and even behind the scenes, for months. Know, how, how long... 
did you kind of know that this was coming? I knew it was coming six months to a year out. It's closer to a year. Yeah. Uh, but I said yes to taking over in September and I took over in April. So you're talking with the math, there's seven months there. You're talking yeah. seven months of, I know I'm stepping into this, you know? Um, and, and as Kyle alluded to the first four months of that was kind of the, um, individually for me, but, uh, it's, it still goes to show there's just a lot to it. So I say all that to say like, that's just why we're kind of going to contrast those throughout the next few episodes throughout this series. But also like, just because it was like this for me, just like it was this for Kyle, there's going to be similarities. There's going to be differences, but I promise you, you can take a lot of what we say and apply it to your situation, but there's going to be things that will be different and you just have to be flexible with that or else you're going to get really frustrated. Yeah, uh, that's that's absolutely true. So I I want to kind of walk through um you know how we chose to shepherd the aftermath of the situation. Uh, we ended up taking five Sundays, uh, kind of walking through everything, and so uh, the very first Sunday, the Sunday that the announcement was made, uh, we had. So in our denomination, Derek and I have talked about it before. We are a part of the Assemblies of God denomination. Um, they have different districts uh, throughout the United States, throughout the world. Uh, and, and the way that it's set up, and, and this is not you know original to the AG. There are plenty of denominations that are set up this way. Each church is its own entity. Uh, you know, our church makes our own decisions. Nobody from above us in the denomination makes those decisions for us. Uh, But at the same time, the district office has people that are available uh, to help shepherd, guide, give direction, um, and, uh, you know, help churches through hard stuff like this. And so our district superintendent, uh, kind of the guy that helps to oversee all of the churches in the state of Minnesota, he came that Sunday, that first Sunday, he was the one that preached uh, I don't, I honestly don't even remember what the sermon was on. Uh, you know, every, everybody that already knew, knew that the announcement was going to be at the end of the sermon. And so, uh, which I think was the right decision. You know, we had worship, we had announcements, we had a message, and then the announcement was made at the end of the service. Uh, cause if you make it at any other point in the service, the rest of your service is Forget shot. it. Yeah. Uh, even for us, we have two services on a Sunday morning. Our second service was weird. You know, and so uh, we will. Uh, so, so we did that. Uh, he was the one that that made the announcement. I think I mentioned this on last week's episode that our senior pastor uh, made a video. I believe at the recommendation of the district superintendent, he made a video, uh, just kind of a a apology ad- admittance video that uh, that we showed along with the statement that was read by uh, that district superintendent. Uh, and so that was kind of how we disseminated the information. Um, beyond that, uh, so, so that was week one. Uh, I chose, as the youth pastor, I sent a message to all of my youth leaders on Sunday morning, we have like a group message for all of our leaders. And I sent a message out and all I said was, Hey, if you're at church this morning, please come talk to me 
after the service that you attend. If you're not going to be at church, please let me know. Uh, and that's all I said. Uh, I had one person that wasn't planning on being at church. And so her and I connected over the phone. All of my other leaders were there before or after. Uh, so I, I actually, I ended up, uh, we talked, her and I talked on the phone before our first service. And because of that, then she actually switched her plans to come sure. to one of the services. Um, because, uh, so she is a, a mom who like has a, a daughter in our youth ministry and like the rest of her family was going to be at church and she wasn't. And so because she knew what was coming, she, you know, made the decision, like, I'm going to alter my plans so that I can be there, uh, you know, with my kids when they find this out. And so, which, which I think was a, a, a great move, uh, on her part, but I, I was able to connect with all of my leaders that Sunday morning. Um, and that was something that we talked about was like, how, like, how many people do you tell ahead of time? Uh, you know, and so that was, that was kind of a weird, you know, there's no playbook for that kind of thing. Uh, we chose to like, you know, everybody's going to find out eventually there were some key like ministry leaders and all the deacon and the staff, like we wanted to make sure they all knew. Uh, but for everybody else, we were just kind of like, let's, let's just get it out there all at once. We'd rather that than have it leak out. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's how we handled that. I feel like there's, there's such a hard line there um, of, and we talked about this kind of last week, but I think this is more prevalent to this discussion here now is that there's such a line there. You talked about it, Kyle, like who do we tell ahead of time? What do we tell them? You know, cause like, that's a good question. You, you don't want to, you don't want to just, you have an opportunity here. Like, for negative of like, especially in like your case, like I'm sure you had a lot of emotions about this, the situation Mm -hmm. and if vessels are in check, you can really feed into those emotions and let them out, you know? And all of a sudden you have an opportunity there to really drag this person through the mud. However, I feel like there's also a responsibility where you don't want to, sugarcoat and hide the fact of what happened for a few reasons. One, like it shows that at the end of the day, a pastor is a human being and Mm -hmm. they need to one, be given grace like everybody else, but also be held accountable like everybody else. Yeah. Like we talked about a couple episodes ago, you know, when, when you work at a church, when you are pastoring in church leadership, there's a higher standard that comes with that. Absolutely. Uh, but I agree with you. It, it, it was a topic of conversation. Like how do we, what information do we share? Um, and, and obviously, you know, we as the church staff did not know every single detail, nor did we need to. Uh, but there was, there was a statement uh, that was read and that was kind of looked at as the, like, this is the party line. Uh, you know, depending on the situation, the conversation, there were, you know, you could go into a little bit more detail. Um, you know, we never wanted to, uh, I I don't remember the word you used, but you know, slander essentially like, like there's, there's details that don't need to be shared, uh, whether you know them or not. The one detail that we as a staff and a board agreed ahead of time would be, uh, okay, and, and even encouraged uh, to share based on follow-up questions was that the the other individual involved uh, was not somebody that attended our church. Uh, that that was 
uh, one of the things we talked about that we felt our congregation would benefit from knowing, um, just, just kind of from a, the standpoint of, I mean, if nothing like, I don't know, peace of mind yeah. and like, Hey, this is a separate thing. Yeah. And I feel like in some situations there's, there's merit to, without describing details, the nature of the offense. What I mean sure. by that is, you know, if, if the, cause moral failure encompasses a lot of things. It can involve fraudulent finances. It can involve inappropriate relationships. It can involve, you know, just a breach of purity in general. Like moral failure is a very loose term, kind of on purpose, but I feel like depending on the nature of what's going on, the church it's healthy for the church to know the, the nature, yeah. you know? Cause like if it is fraudulent activity, like all of a sudden now people are like, did my money go in there? You know, or, or if it's not that it's, it, the church ought to know it's not that they swindled money. They're not off running away with, with finance. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're, I think you're right that there are depending on, depending on the specifics there are going to be different specifics that are pertinent for people to know. Totally. Uh, there, I, I knew a pastor once who, uh, he was a senior pastor and one of the staff pastors had an affair. And, you know, he fired that staff pastor, got up on a Sunday morning and, and said, hey, this is, you know, we want to be transparent. This is what happened. If you have any other questions come and talk to me mm-hmm. and like, I will answer any other questions you have, uh, but it's going to be a one-on-one conversation. And he said that he only got one person that came up to him, an older lady in the church came up and asked if it was with a man or a woman. Like that was the only other question that, that, you know, the, the pastor was male and, uh, you know, the affair was with a woman. And so mm-hmm. he told her that and she was like, okay. And, and walked away. And that, that was the only other question. I was like, all right. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I, so, I, would, I was expecting the other way around where the pastor's door is like beat down because everybody wants oh, to know more. No, it, it, it kind of surprised me. Like yeah. that was, that was the only follow-up question he got. And, uh, it was a relatively simple, you know, straightforward, simple answer. And, and that was it. I think that, you know, in general, like people love to, you know, talk about the the details and, uh, you know, the gossip and all of that. But I think when you have a healthy body of, of believers, uh, and, and I will, you know, I'll, I'll admit like our church is in an incredibly healthy spot. Uh, you know, all things considered, uh, even without considering those things, I think that we're in a pretty healthy spot. And so when, when you look at a, how a healthy body of believers should respond to something like this, uh, it shouldn't be, Hey, let me try to find out all the details. It should be okay. Like I, I trust I've been told what I need to know. There might be some things that I want to ask for a little clarity on and, and I may or may not get the answers and that's okay. Uh, and you know, we want to pray for, for grace and for restoration for that person. And, you know, let's at the same time look at, you know, okay, what does it look like for, for us going forward? Uh, you, you brought up something that I, I noticed, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but it's something that I noticed, uh, both initially and now, uh, that I find incredibly encouraging is, uh, I'm sure you lost some people. When, when that happened, you know, people said, you know what, like I'm going to a different place. 
I have no doubt that there was some kind of uh, movement there. Uh, however, from what I've gathered, and you can tell me I'm wrong if this isn't the case, but I as love a, telling you you're wrong. I know you do. <laughs> as a general rule of thumb, though, your church didn't flinch. You know, that there was not this mass exodus. There was not this massive scattering of people and there's no trust in leadership. And it, it didn't go from, you know, now now this church is a massive mess and they're on the verge of closing their door. Like nothing even close to that from what I've gathered. Obviously, I'm sure there was turmoil. I'm sure there was, you know, negative things. But by and large, from what I've gathered, relative to the severity of what happened, your church pressed onward. You know, and to me, that's indicative of a healthy body because that tells me the church is not built on the pastor. It's built on Christ. It's built on, we are a body of believers. We are a church here. And yes, our shepherd just fell, but we're not completely gone because we're following the true shepherd, which is Jesus. You know, because I have seen where like, it's not uncommon for a situation like this to happen and the church implodes because the church was built on the, the strength and the vitality of the pastor and not on Jesus and, and corporation of church, you know? So I, I just noticed that right away. And I'm sure there's a lot of insight that you could offer here uh, for that or against that. But just from a, from a 10,000 foot view as someone who's removed from your context, to me, I was impressed with how, one, your church handled it internally, but how it was received by the body of believers was pretty staggering to me. Yeah, Derek was really hoping that he'd get an influx at his church from people that were leaving. Definitely ours. not. I, I'm not not a fan of that. Your people are amazing, but I never want that to be the reason. So no, the the best churches look to reach the lost, not the people that are confused at other churches. A reshuffling uh, of the Christian deck is how I there you go. Heard I it. like that. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. It was. Uh, it, it's been really encouraging to see our church's response. Um, we have, uh, we, there have definitely been people that, that I can think of specifically that I haven't seen, uh, since then. I also think that like, this is, this is tough. This is controversial. Maybe we'll edit this out later. Uh, you never want to look at it in the Christian world as well, you know, we need to, you know, the, the, the crass way to put it would be to cut the fat off. Uh, you know, I, I don't ever want to look at it like, well, let's get rid of some people so that we can really get to where we're going. Uh, but at the same time, I wonder if there is a call to this season, you know, we need to, you know, focus on self care essentially as a church. And then when a new senior pastor comes in, okay, let's, gather back in some of those people as we continue to, to press forward, uh, toward our mission. And so I, I think that, uh, we, we've seen some people walk away. We have not seen our numbers dip really at all, uh, which has been really encouraging, uh, financially. We have not seen a big dip. Uh, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, how those numbers compare uh, to you know even the first six months of this of 2023, but uh, I know that you know compared to 12 months ago, uh, we are up, uh, and and we're five months removed from uh, you know the pastoral transition, and so uh, it's been it's been encouraging, that's for sure. 
Yeah. And just to speak to that too, I, I think, I think it's healthy to, to have that moment of, are we, are we healthy? You know, like, like we need to focus on self-care because, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this last time and if we did, it's okay. I'm okay repeating it. But to me, it was one of those like kind of slaps in the face of like, you cannot get complacent, you know, like you, you, you hear about these, these, these things happening in churches and, and you hear about them, you go, Oh man, that's sad. That's, that's heartbreaking. But when it hits this close to home, it's like, Whoa, like I, I need to, Cause like, like Satan's not stupid. Like we, like we know that we preach that. Like if he's going to take somebody out, who's he going to go after? Like the pastor, of course he is, you know? And so like, to me, it was just kind of a, uh, so cool to see your church kind of like take this slow and not panic. Cause like, I'm sure we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but like you guys really were intentional. Obviously time was of the essence. We, we got to sit down. We got to talk. We got to hash this out. We got to come up with a plan now, but it wasn't a frantic. Oh, we got to, we got to make huge decisions right now. It was a, this is urgent. This is important, but this is important for us to be strategic here. Mm-hmm. Cause this happened six months ago now close, yeah. yep. you know, like you guys are still searching. You're still taking those steps forward but they're done with intentionality. They're done with thought. They are done with proactive planning. Uh, there, there is a very little panic in the midst of what's going on. I think you have to have that of let's do an internal check. How are we all doing? But also how do we keep this from happening again? Yeah, that's, uh, that's really true. So I want to kind of keep moving through here. Uh, you know, we talked about that very first Sunday when, when the announcement was made. Uh, the, the next decision we made was that very next Sunday uh, in our sermon time slot, we had a panel of three people that we had uh, on, on the stage. And uh, this was the Sunday I actually was uh, with... 29 high schoolers down in Panama. And so I was not at the church. I've I've talked about this before that we made the announcement on Sunday, Monday morning, uh, me and me and our team left. So, uh, I wasn't around for a lot of this, but, uh, cause then I went on vacation right after, uh, (laughs) we got back from the mission team. So that was, was that that vacation planned beforehand? It was (laughs) pre-planned. Yes. Yes, it was. But, uh, I think I was back for like three days and then we left again. Well, it was partially because I was officiating my cousin's wedding. Uh, and so we did that and then went on vacation on the tail end of that with my family. Uh, cause we were all in town for the wedding. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but, uh, it's funny timing too. So the second Sunday, uh, I talked about that district superintendent. He came back for the second Sunday, the, so with our church and I think with most, most churches, the, uh, pastor is the chair of the board. Um, and so in, without him in place, uh, our board elected one of the board members to be, you know, the chair, the interim chair of the board. And so that board member, the district superintendent, and then one of our staff pastors, uh, she kind of rounded things out. And so the three of them, uh, were kind of a panel on the stage that Sunday, uh, not 
fielding questions from, you know, people, but answering, you know, let's talk about this. Let's ask and answer some questions people have had, uh, some questions we've heard. Here's, you know, kind of sharing what the process will look like moving forward. Uh, You know, it was much more informative than it was, let's dive into scripture necessarily. Uh, But I think that that was really good. Just, just taking a Sunday to inform, like, hey, here's what this process will look like going forward. Uh, I think that that was um, that was really really good. I think that was a good idea. So that was that was Sunday number two. Yeah, I uh, I feel like the questions when when you hear surprising news, the questions come later. Cause, cause yeah, you, you know what I I'm agree. saying? Because like yeah. it, it's kind of like it, it, it when you're not expecting it, it's kind of an initial shock of like, whoa. And you kind of have like this, you come to grips with it, but then the more you sit on it, the more questions come up like, well, what about this? And how's this going to look? And how are they going to, you know, so I feel like to have that panel a Sunday removed or even two Sundays removed for somebody else might be really helpful. I like, I like, I really like how you guys did that. That's very good. So then, uh, so that was Sunday number two, the following Wednesday. Uh, and for context, our church does not do, uh, when any, any Wednesday night activities through the month of June, which just happened to be when this all went down. And so, uh, we did what we called a night of lamentations, uh, on a Wednesday night, Uh, And it was basically, it was like a night of worship. Uh, You know, there were worship songs. Um, Our, so the, the chair of the board, that guy I mentioned was on that panel. He actually got up uh, during that service and essentially apologized. He won. He apologized as on behalf of the board. He apologized to the congregation for a lack of, I mean, you know, to some degree, you shoulder responsibility uh, for something like that as the board. Uh, But then he also essentially apologized to all women on behalf of all men. Uh, and, and just the way that he did it was, was actually, it was really well done. Uh, and, and I, you know, that, that it was just really, really cool. Uh, kind of what he did with that. Um, but yeah, so, so we basically had a night where the goal was, uh, to, you know, lament what had happened. Like, wow, this sucks. Just to clarify, was this a youth night of lamentations or a church wide? Great question. All church. Okay. Got it. Church wide. Um, the lament what had happened, but also, you know, reminding ourselves, uh, this is, um, you know, the, the best is yet to come. Like there, there is a new season our church is stepping into that God has incredible things in store for. And then the other thing that I think is, I, I can't believe I almost forgot this, uh, with that night of lamentations, one of the things that we knew going into that night was, you know, what happened in the marriage of our senior pastor was not like, like, there are people in our church in our church who ha- had gone through affairs or, or different things where like this is going to stir up uh, memories and reminders and different things in them. 
And, and so we had prayer teams equipped and ready, uh, to, to pray with people and, and pray with couples and have conversations with people kind of along that line. Uh, and I think that that was a really good move too, just because, you know, when something of this magnitude, whatever it is, like if, I mean, if you have, uh, you know, if, if your senior pastor were to die unexpectedly, you know, that would bring up, uh, emotions and feelings and memories of somebody that died unexpectedly or expectedly in your own life. Uh, you know, it just, when things around you happen that you equate to prior experiences that can kind of kick up some residual, uh, emotions and dust and, and different things that, that need to be processed and prayed over and worked through. And so, uh, having, having that night to, to do some of that as well as, you know, start to turn the page was, uh, was really, really good. Yeah. I don't have a a, a ton to say outside of, um, just kind of the progression. I feel like you guys, have have in just hearing how this is laid out, kind of the progression is we're telling you what happened. That's week number one. Week number two is kind of like we're telling you how this is gonna look, but this there's kind of this felt feeling of like you're included in this conversation, you know? Because that first Sunday it basically is this. These are the facts. This is what happened. This this is just the reality. But when you have a panel like that, even if people are not asking questions, you're answering questions that are on their mind. So in essence, you are inviting them into that conversation. But here's where I really like the, the next step in the progression. Now it's a matter of we're here to assist you. Yep. Like it, it was a very slow, methodical, we're speaking at you, we're speaking with you, you're speaking to us. And that's a very healthy progression to kind of then say, we're now on this together, which is where I think that your last point here is, is like, yeah. And, and even, you know, there were people through this process that were pretty frustrated with us for not going quick enough. Us and, and, being and, like the church as a whole, the right, board, like, the staff. Like, oh my gosh, can we stop talking about this? Sure. And like you, you could go immediately from that conversation to an, a conversation with the person right next to him that were really frustrated with us because we were moving too fast. Yep. Naturally. It, it was, it was really, it, I was like, okay, <laughs> we, you, you can't win. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that has to do with people's prior experiences. Uh, you know, like I, there were probably people in our church that, uh, were, you know, hurt by things in their past or whatever. Like they just wanted to stop talking about this, uh, because it brought up something in them. And there were other people that were like, Whoa, like this, this impacted me way more than I thought it would. Uh, you know, maybe their faith was more in him than in Jesus. Uh, or, or, you know, the issue hit very close to home for them, uh, where like, Hey, I need more time uh, before we move on from this. And so it was, it was all over the place as far as where people were at. Uh, and so I think that's important for people to understand too, uh, walking through something like this, but like Derek alluded to the, the last thing that we did, uh, so we took then three Sundays, Sundays three, four, and five in this, and we did a sermon series that we entitled Ashes to Beauty, uh, and the concept was taken from the verse in Isaiah chapter 61, verse three, when it talks about uh, it essentially, you know, 
trading a crown of, of ashes for a crown of beauty, uh, and, you know, bestowing that upon us. And we, we took the idea of, okay, week one, we're going to talk about ashes. Uh, week two is the word two and and kind of that transition. And then week three is beauty. And, And that sermon series really helped walk us through, uh, you know, this is like, this sucks. Uh, and, and we're not going to, you know, pretend that it doesn't, but at the same time, our, our hope and our faith is in God. It's not in one person or one individual. It's not even in the entity of the church. And so, you know, there's like, this is a great opportunity for us to look at our own lives. Where do we, where are we in need of repentance? Where are we in need of forgiveness? And, and let's move together toward the holiness in Christ that he calls us to, uh, to, to grow closer and closer to him. And so that was what that series did. Uh, again, you know, through that series, uh, it was uh, difficult to stay the course at times because we had people that wanted us to go faster, wanted us to slow down. Uh, but, but those were, um, you know, more, you know, those were worthy of, you know, side conversation follow-ups like, Hey, let's dive deeper individually. Uh, But overall, I think that it really did a good job with our church of walking us through that process. Was there any request, uh, whether the request comes from the board, the staff, the collaboration, uh, whatever that looked like, was there any request as to how the church wanted people to interact with the affected party. You know, what I mean by that is, was there ever a discussion about, we ask that you don't reach out to them at this time. We ask that, you know, you, you communicate them via this way. We ask that the staff have zero communication with them. Like was, you know what I'm trying to say was, was there any kind of discussion as to how you should or should not communicate or not communicate with the affected individual? Yeah. So I remember, I I feel like I remember in one of the first two sermons or one of the first two Sundays, uh, essentially an encouragement to our congregation to, uh, you know, give the, the pastor and their family the space that they need to, uh, you know, go through the, the restoration and, and, uh, you know, healing process. Um, they did, uh, the, the, the district, I think kind of, you know, really encouraged that. And I, I don't know if we as staff were ever, you know, specifically told, uh, you know, Hey, do this, do that. Um, you know, there, there was a kind of unique element for me in that as a youth pastor, like I've got relationships with, with kids, uh, in, in the family. And, and so there were conversations there, there were, uh, you know, still ministry involvement there. Uh, and so that was, you know, kind of a tightrope and still is a, a weird, uh, space to occupy in the middle. But, um, I, I do think that a good rule of thumb is, as, as a, and I'm going to speak specifically as a staff person, uh, as a staff member, you know, this next season is like, 
they need to heal and 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 restore faith with their family, uh, you have a church that you need to you know focus on, and uh, you know there are if especially if there are pieces in place for them, uh, which which uh, you know every church every denomination should have <coughs> stuff in place for them, um, and and our denomination thankfully does. If if those things are in place, then trust the process there on that side, and and your focus needs to be more on okay, uh, like I need to focus on our church. Yeah, um, I have some thoughts uh, just generically about transition and the church from a vantage point like mine. Um, but before I do that, I like is there anything else like that yeah. you feel like we need to to cover? Yeah, I want to the other the other side of things the the other aspect i want to just briefly touch on would be uh for our church uh and, and different churches are structured in different ways uh you know what happens when when you take somebody like a lead pastor out of a church uh you know organ, organizationally there's there's a void there and so uh for our church we are structured that the scene, the lead pastor is uh voted in by all of the members, <coughs> excuse me, uh, they're voted in by all the members of the church. They, uh, are free to hire whatever staff they want. Um, the staff does the ministry work to serve the congregation, uh, and the board of deacons, the board of elders, uh, some churches, those are two different things. Some churches, they're the same thing. Uh, the board for us, our board of deacons, uh, their role, they are people from the congregation, elected by the congregation to oversee the church, to oversee the pastor, uh, all those things. And so the relationship between the staff and the board became much more important in this interim season. And we are going to talk about, so our next episode is going to be on that interim process. What do you do as a church? What do you do as a youth pastor in that interim season? Um, But at the onset, like right away when our pastor left, you know, we had, I've mentioned, we had a meeting with the entire staff and the entire board. And, and we, you know, talked through quite a few things. Uh, we've had a couple of those since then. Uh, all those two groups of people getting on the same page uh, has been very, it's been very difficult, but it's been very, very important. Uh, not because, you know, we hate each other or we have different visions for the church. I mean, I'm sure there's some of that, so, some different visions. I don't think we all hate each other. Uh, but just, you know, these are two groups of people that for us, we did not work together uh, you know, closely at all, uh, before this. And, and now we have been put in a position where we need to be on the same page on a lot of things. And so, uh, we have been doing that and we're better at it than we were six months ago. Uh, but, but that's been something important. Uh, the, the weird way for me to describe it would be like, there's a power vacuum when, when somebody leaves like that and people need to fill that. But, in a good way, like organizationally, you need people to step in and fill some of those roles. And so part of what we'll talk about next week is, uh, you know, we have an interim pastor 
that is that is in place. So we'll talk about that next week, what that looked like uh, and and continues to look like. But uh, in the in the initial weeks uh, following what happened and and even still today, the relationship between the rest of the church leadership is really important. Yeah, you know, I, I, you and I are both sports guys. Uh, we made that abundantly clear up until this point. When you said power vacuum, my my initial kind of thought went to when a starting quarterback goes down. There's a similar kind of feel because in that dynamic, it's next man up, right? Like there, there is a backup quarterback. There's there's a backup, but like there's a change there because the chemistry is now off. The scheme is now off you still have a functional person, but the authority, the leadership, all of that is now gone because your starter just walked into the medical tent or into the locker room and he's gone. You know, uh, obviously that's a sports analogy. Obviously it's different, but you know what? Ironically enough, what I was going to talk about is the importance of having streamlined communication between the staff and the board. That, that was the one thing I was going to bring up because the reality is odds are most churches are structured to where that board is meant to retain a very big picture up above the clouds field of view. Like they are there to make tough decisions that are not immediately impacting what you see as a pastor. You see this a lot outside of the church as well. It's why, you know, a lot of times when you go to a hospital or you go to a corporation, there's sometimes dissension between those quote unquote on the front lines because they see the people, they interact, they know what it's like to do this and have emotions involved. The board is meant to make business decisions, you know, and again, I'm talking more corporate than church right now, but on a corporate world, that's why you see doctors that get all bent out of shape when their board starts making cuts or pulls things because the doctors, they see the patients, they see, you know, what their care they need and the board's pulling funding from them because they're trying to help the bottom line. And that's when you see this, you know, explosion. Yeah. In like in, in, in a, in a healthcare, you know, field. Now, Full disclosure, I really believe most churches don't have that. But I do think that your board is not going to always know exactly what it's like to be in the office every day and what that team dynamic looks like and, and you know, all those different things. And so um, that's it. That, that's, I wanted to share that. But uh, in a transition like mine, um, where uh, it was more planned, and it was more strategic. It was more kind of like, I would dare say easier to make this transition. Uh, it was still one of those things, speaking to people who are on staff right now, you have to stay in your lane and you have to understand that your input matters and your feedback matters. But at the end of the day, it's above your pay grade to be the one who has the ultimate authority of decisions. You know, like as you guys are going through this process from everything I've gathered, it is very much a informed unanimous group decision. You know, like this was not a, this happened with Kyle's pastor and Kyle steps in or the associate pastor steps in and says, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. Are you good with that? Yep. We're good with that. Like that, that wasn't the move. It was a, we let's sit down, let's dialogue. Let's, let's, go back and forth. 
let's be on the same page as a whole when we walk out of this room. And I feel like that has to happen because if the reality is in any transition, if it's up to one person to make all the decisions, there's going to be things that get missed and there's going to be things that you do wrong and you want to take back. So in any transition, take the time, get the input, get all the feedback from, from your board, from your governing body, whatever that looks like. Don't be hasty. Don't be, you know, like the hero of the show here. You got to be, have a group effort here. Cause like for us, there was a lot of help in the sense of with how our church was set up at the time and how our board was set up at the time. Uh, it very much was like the lead pastor had a lot of power and a lot of sway and, and that was, it worked. It was okay. Um, you know, but at the same time, like that was something that I changed immediately upon my transition was I don't want that much power. I want more of a, for my own peace of mind, I want these kind of decisions to be voted on input by all six members of my board. And together we make this decision going forward, you know? Well, yeah. And even like, if I remember correctly, that's, that's a change that even I didn't know. Cause I, when you first started as a senior pastor, correct me if I'm wrong. I think there were only three people there on were. the board. There were. And so, you know, even if, you know, even if you say like, Hey, everybody's going to vote on this. Well, there's three of you and you all know what I want. Uh, you know, versus like, hey, there's six of you. Uh, and, and do you, if I may, uh, when when you guys vote, when, when the board votes on something, do you vote as, as the lead pastor? I am the tie break. Okay. So uh, basically like I... I give a proposal, I, I give the thing and then, uh, they vote on it. And, yeah. and if it comes and it depends on the tie break, if it's one sure. of those things where it's like, if it's a really big decision in the sense of like, let's say the decision is we're going to do a building project or we're going to go to a different place, which is a, obviously a huge decision. Yeah. That should not just be a four to three vote. If we're split, yeah. you know, and then I go and I'm the one, like, I don't feel good about that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Cause half my board's not on board with this, yep. you know, but like if it, if so I can be a tie break, uh, but realistically with how we're set up, I don't feel the need to vote because I'm making the proposal, <laughs> you know? So like they kind of right. know where I'm at with that, but yeah, on a lot of the smaller things, your, your votes already spoken for essentially. Right. You know? And so it, it really kind of does depend on, on, on the situation, on the vote, on all those different things. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it, I really just, again, I, with a, being a lead pastor, there's enough decisions you make in the day to day. I, I just, I didn't want to make the big ones like that alone. Anyway, obviously you have yeah. to make those decisions, but like it, you are totally right, Kyle, where it's like when there's only three of you, you know, and it's one of those things where they're all kind of the same personality. It becomes more of a means to an end. This is what I'm going to do. Can yep. I get your blessing? Yeah. There, it's, it's a yes board. That's just like, all right, you want to do that? Cool. Sounds good. Here's your, you know, unofficial like rubber stamp on it. And full disclosure, I've seen the opposite true on a different setup where the board has too much power and they just, the church is doing great things. The pastor is doing nothing wrong. But they're like, eh, we don't like him. We're going to edge him out or her yep. out or whatever. And I, I've seen and heard horror stories of that too. So there's obviously balance here. But for, for me personally, what I did is I expanded our team and I intentionally went after 
personalities that were well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So I have a very outspoken person. I have a very person who's very quiet and reserved, but is a very critical thinker. You know, I have someone who, you know, would, frankly, all six of my board members would take a bullet for me. They'd support me. They love me, all those good things. But at the same time, they're not afraid to say, that's a bad idea. Like, let's not do that direction. Let's keep you from that. Like they are very good that way. And you have to be okay with that. I would say you should welcome that because if all they're there is just to support what you're going to do, you can really get into the weeds and get messed up. Yeah, that's good. I think, uh, you know, we, we ran into, uh, one, one of the things we ran into was our board and, and I feel comfortable saying this because I think that uh, many of our board members would say this themselves. Uh, you know, they, they made some comments that, you know, they, they felt in the aftermath of this, that they maybe weren't as connected as they should be, or as they wish they were, uh, not necessarily like they, you know, should all be, uh, never miss a Sunday, be in the office. Well, like, and, or, or like, you know, our board, all our board members should be the covenant eyes responsibility, uh, people for all of the pastors on staff or something like that. But it was, it was more so, um, we had, uh, I think one of the fears for us was that, uh, the board was going to make decisions, uh, kind of without taking the staff's, uh, you know, perspective into consideration. And so that's been something that, you know, we've kind of had to, to work through, Um, and again, you know, all of this stuff is meant to be temporary, uh, you, because there's uh, somebody in the organizational structure that's missing, uh, even having an interim pastor in, it's not, you know, the same as having a a new lead pastor. And so because that is, uh, different and it's temporary, there's measures you can't take because you don't want to, you know, go the other way. You don't want to, you know, permanently change things. And so it's, it's been, it's been a battle to, to kind of walk through that, but, um, we're, we're still here. We're still kicking. And, um, you know, as we talked about, I mentioned, we'll talk next week about kind of more of the interim stuff. Uh, here's, here's what things look like. Uh, here's kind of the, the interim season and, and everything that goes into that. So I'm excited for that. That'll be a fun conversation. Love it, man. Let's do it. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us on today's episode. Thank you to Hobby Lobby for sponsoring us uh, and giving us absolutely nothing in return for the shout out. Uh, and thank you to all of our great listeners. Uh, I will tease to remember episode 100 coming up soon. And we've got some crazy awesome surprises for everybody on episode 100. So that'll be a lot of fun. But until then, Derek, uh, I think it's about time that uh, I go make some sweet, sweet, delicious. Christmas desserts. Goodbye. Goodbye.